Twitter.com slash Stu Does America. Go there. Follow me on Twitter if you haven't already. Uh, we really appreciate it. You can probably also go to X.com slash Stu Does America, but what human being would do that? I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand. From what I understand, it's just redirecting to Twitter.com slash Stu Does America. So why would you do that? I guess it's less letters to type. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video right now. Subscribe to the channel and hit the bell for notifications. Do all the things. We appreciate it when you do the things. Uh, Jamie Kilstein joins us to talk about his faith transformation. Uh, really funny comedian who's got a brand new podcast that goes in directions you'd, you'd never expect. Uh, the question, are Americans growing sick and tired of the Donald Trump ind- indictment news? Uh, it's a tough one to answer for the media, for sure, but we'll give you some evidence on which way that's going. We start, though, by doing the dangers of democracy. Dangers of democracy? Uh, how could you possibly say that about our beloved democracy? Here's kind of the thing. Democracy sort of sucks. And that's not me saying that. That's our founders saying that. I'm not making this up. Uh, Democracy, when it comes in the form of direct democracy, is a massive problem. It's not the greatest thing in the world. And this is why I want to talk to you about Election Day. No, not Election Day November. Election Day today. Right now, happening in Ohio today. A very, very big vote. And if you haven't followed this all that closely, it's because the media really doesn't want you to know about it. And if they do want you to know about it, they want to scare the bejesus out of you about it. The way they're talking about it is it's a big abortion vote. Okay, there's a big abortion vote going on now. The evil right wingers want to stop your right to kill your children and all these things. And we know how this works. This has been something that's been around for a while. We know the scare tactics. They sometimes work. They sometimes don't. But in Ohio, you have a very specific system going on. And what you get is this thing where a 50 percent vote can get you a constitutional amendment. Now, a few states have stuff like this, but, you know, it's just a terrible system in my mind. And we're going to talk about why that is. But what abortion activists, of course, are going to try to do in November is to put a ballot uh, referendum uh, on on there and and to make sure they can get over 50 percent. They will word it in the most, you know, the strangest way possible. They don't just say, hey, uh, we really like abortion and we think you should too. Uh, will you approve abortion? Uh, yeah, how about all the way up to the last minute before pregnancy? How about that? Let's try that. They know that would fail. So they worded in different ways. You know, some of the states that have uh, tried this already have used tactics like putting um, uh, contraception in the amendment. Now, no one is trying to ban contraception. That's not even a thing. But they put that in there because the people will say, well, well I mean, uh, abortion, I don't know, but uh, contraception, that's, I don't want to lose contraception. They, they, they target people who aren't paying very close attention to try to get themselves over the 50% vote. And, and, you know, this is what they do. This is the tactic that has been out there for as long as time. They're not even the only people who do it. It's, it's a very obvious political tactic. But it comes down to this idea that you have a format where only 50% can amend a constitution. Is that sane? Uh, the news is out today. Ohio ballot election sets the stage for a major abortion fight in November. This is how this is going to work. If voters pass the threshold measure Tuesday, which is today, then the proposed November ballot amendment to enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution would need the support of 60 percent of voters to pass. If it fails, the November measure would only need a simple majority. So that's where we are in Ohio right now. If you said, hey, uh, you should be able to abort kids uh, until three months after birth. You put it on the on the uh, uh, on the, the ballot. If it gets 50 0.1% of the vote, you win and you get that in the constitution of the state. What 
mostly conservatives are proposing here today is to say, hey, maybe that should be 60%. I mean, I don't want to be crazy. We're not saying 90, but like 60%, something that basically we all agree on, or at least a good chunk of us agree on. 60% seems a little more rational. It's not a super high bar. Obviously, the bar is much less than what we see in the U.S. Constitution, but at least it's something. It's some sort of, of barrier to just change the Constitution every 12 minutes. Um, now, of course, uh, you get a lot of coverage from the mainstream media that I don't particularly like of this topic. What's at stake in Ohio referendum on amending the state constitution? The vote could play a big role in the future of abortion rights in Ohio. Now, to be fair here, Republicans have pretty much overtly said this is why they're doing this. They know the abortion thing is coming. They've seen it be successful in some states, even some states that lean red, because, you know, the way it's talked about in the media, it's the scare tactics are at an all time peak. So these things often get over the finish line. So they're, they're trying to guard against this. They've been overt about this. But is that really the only reason why this vote makes sense? Because, look, abortion, you might not like it. I certainly don't. But is that the only reason to do this type of thing? Uh, the Republican-led legislature ordered the referendum known as Issue 1 this spring in a vote that was largely along party lines. Proponents argued that it was too easy for special interests to rewrite the state constitution to their benefit. Since 1912, when Ohioans authorized ballot initiatives as a con- at the Constitutional Convention, adding an amendment has required approval by simple majority of voters. The new referendum would raise the threshold to 60%. The measure at issue on Tuesday would not just make it harder for voters to improve amendments, It also would make it tougher for them to get on the ballot, requiring petitioners to gather signatures from 5% of eligible voters in each of uh, Ohio's 88 counties instead of the current 44. Does that seem irrational to you, honestly? 5%? You got to get 5% of the people in each county to say, yeah, this seems important enough to put on the ballot. That doesn't seem all that difficult. And by the way, this would not at all prevent the abortion amendment from getting on. That would be easy to get that in each one of these counties. So this is talking about something a little bit more structural, which is really the important part here. It's hard to say that abortion is not the important part. It is very, very important. However, it is also just a sliver of what is going on in so many states across the country. Your state's constitution should not be able to be amended by 50% plus one. That is idiotic. We all know 45% of people, generally speaking, are on one side of the argument, 45% are on the other. So we're talking about the whims of 10% changing constitutions. And what are constitutions supposed to be? Your average, you know, your average person who's working their butt off at a real job, doing real work, serving real people like me, French fries through the drive-thru, is not following the ins and outs of all these issues as closely as, I don't know, their elected representatives. And that is the form of government we have. I know people don't like this. It is not a democracy. It is a constitutional republic. If you want to talk about democracy, it is a representative democracy. We elect representatives in an act of democracy. Yes, there is democracy in the system, but then it elects a representative and the representative is supposed to sit there and focus on this stuff all the time. They're supposed to be thinking about these issues all the time. They're supposed to read the bills in front of them all the time. This is supposed to be their job, not whining and dining people, not having affairs with interns, not raising money all the time. They're supposed to be actually following the rules here. And this is why there's a temptation to Uh, understand this idea of ballot initiative. And honestly, there's a temptation to like it. 
there's part of me that really likes it because you can't sit here and depend on these politicians. You elect them, they tell you they're gonna do one thing and then they go in there and they do something else or they get lazy or they don't show up to work or they turn 95 years old and they can't speak anymore and they're still in office. And you think to yourself, well, a ballot initiative is a way for us to kind of do fantasy politics, right? We get to be a representative. We all get to vote and we just put the law in. We don't have to depend on them to hold the line. And I understand that and it, is, it really does connect to me. One of my favorite things to do when we come up to election time as you know, I spend a lot of time on politics and maps and who's going to win this and who's going to win that. But I love looking at these ballot initiatives, too, because it's kind of focused on something more tangible than just some random name you didn't know three months ago who's running for office. It's something more than that. It's, a, it's an issue. It's a specific thing. And there's, there's something to like about it. But on the other hand, there's a lot more to dislike. And this is why, of course, we have representatives. This is why we have constitutional amendments that go through an incredibly difficult process to be passed. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be snap your fingers and get a constitutional amendment. If we did, we'd have thousands of them. But we don't. We have to go through Congress. We have to go through all these states. We have to do all of these, all of these hurdles over and over and over again to get this done. And for it to be done, it has to be incredibly difficult. That is why you have a constitution. What is a constitution? It's like, a, it's a statement of principles, foundational principles that you run your country by, not what are we in the mood for today? That's not how this is supposed to work. New York Times has a, uh, had a column this morning, Ohio's one issue election, today's election could decide the future of abortion rights in, uh, in uh, Ohio. Now it's a mainly liberal take on this and honestly I wouldn't say the column itself was worth your time. It describes these things in completely irrational ways but it did give one little tidbit to give you a sense of this. Now we've been around for a long time, right? A couple hundred years to almost 250 years. We've had 27 constitutional amendments. Keep that in mind. Republicans have made other arguments for raising the threshold for state constitutional amendments. Secretary of State Frank LaRose, for one, has pointed out the Ohio Constitution has been amended 172 times compared with the 27 times that the U.S. Constitution has been modified. That frequency, he argues, is evidence that the state constitution is too easy to change. Well, you think? How could anyone disagree with this? Remember, this was only in place, has only been in place for just over 100 years, not 250, just over 100 years, and they've amended the Constitution 172 times. Now, some of those changes may have been good, some of them may have been bad, but the bottom line is the Constitution is supposed to be foundational principles that you can depend on, that you can look at and know that society has these basic rules, basic guardrails, not getting into every little bit of your business, Basic guardrails, protecting life might be one that you would want. I would absolutely support a constitutional amendment banning abortion. And look, I honestly think that should be the direction. A lot of times these candidates are being asked, would you support a national ban on abortion? Well, I don't know that a law doing that is the right way to do it. I want a constitutional amendment. We should be able, this shouldn't be necessarily something that has been, is going to be some legislative uh, task that is constantly uh, fiddled with back and forth depending on the administration. This is something that should be a foundational principle, protecting children. I mean, I, I think that's big enough to do it. Right now, the country doesn't agree with me. And you know what? I don't always win. Now, that's the way this stuff works. It's important to understand, too, that what Democrats uh, and progressives have done, largely by pushing the system, and Republicans have used it to their advantage as well, and I'm not going to say that they haven't, but that whole system was brought up by progressives a long time ago, 
And the founders warned against this very thing. Don't go down this road of direct democracy. Let me give you a little sampling of the greatest hits. John Adams in 1814. Remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There never was a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. How many times do you hear politicians, people in the news say, I can't believe they're going against our democracy. It is not a democracy. Yes, there are elements of democracy inside of a constitutional republic. But when you get to this level and you start just having people randomly vote 50.1% to change constitutions, you wind up committing national suicide. Here's James Madison, 1787. Hence, you got to love any quote that starts with hence. Hence, it is that democracies have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, and in general have been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths. Thomas Jefferson, 1817, the majority oppressing an individual is guilty of a crime, abuses its strength, and by acting on the law of the strongest, breaks up the foundations of society. You can't just have one group that has more votes that is able to overwhelm minority groups. You'd think the people that are constantly talking about minorities would recognize that. I like all people to be treated equally, but there are times where people who are minorities in our culture, and I don't mean just by you know uh, ethnic or background or skin color, but all sorts of religious minorities, all sorts of different things. Those people need to be protected. Here's another p- group of people who need to be protected. People who uh, are in certain uh, industries, people who are in certain tax brackets. You can't just target individual people and try to destroy their lives to help the others. Because, you know, Franklin talked about this as well. Once you, you tell everybody, hey, if we just vote the right way, we can take everybody else's stuff. Things are going to fall apart quickly. Here's another Noah Webster. I want to give you this one as, uh, as well. 1783. A pure democracy is generally a very bad government. It is often, often the most tyrannical government on earth. This is why we call this and we harp on the idea that this is a constitutional republic and not a democracy. Democracy falls apart. It destroys itself. It is not a sustainable system. And you see this happening in state after state after state where these issues become peculiar and bizarre. Luckily, we have the guardrails of the federal constitution, which is held strong this whole time, and that can keep everything kind of together. But these things can spiral out of control, and you can see them spiraling out of control. The Ohio Constitution, and they're not alone, there's tons of states like this, has become uh, essentially a worthless document where you can just change your principles every few minutes. That's not the way this is supposed to work. What whim do we have today? Let's put it in our Constitution. It's the wrong way to go. It's, it was put in, you know, it was pursued by progressives in the early 20th century progressive era to try to find a way around the constitutional barriers and the things they didn't like. They couldn't get them done within the rules. So they started changing the rules on the state level, just like you're seeing now today. This is just another one of the progressive tactics over the past 150 years. They've tried to do the same thing that we're seeing now with ESG scores and, uh, you know, uh, the World Economic Forum and all of these other approaches. Go around these rules. These rules have worked too well for too many for too long. Let's go around them. Let's change society to our liking. This is not the right way to go. I hope Ohio steps up and makes this very sensible change to change to 60 percent 
to uh, to amend the Constitution. It might not be the ultimate step, but it sure is a step in the right direction. Ah, vacation. Now, you may have noticed I've taken a couple of weeks off this summer. You know what? And I've liked every minute of it. I missed you. I invited you out to dinner a couple of times. Why didn't you come? And now, of course, you can create this summer vibe no matter what type of year it is. Your Raycon wireless earbuds will help you with that. You know, I did a lot of uh, walking and bike riding with our family. We were on vacation. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they're just talking, and I need my Raycons to drown them out, and I'm like, kidding. Sometimes you go out on your own, you're out for a walk, you're out for a run, you're trying to do some exercise. You know, you got to do that stuff. I'm getting old. I mean, I got to get out there. And if you want to listen to a great podcast, you want to listen to a great audiobook, you want to listen to some great music, Raycons are the best way to listen to all of your devices. Use uh, your, the earbud tap functions to toggle between uh, three customizable sound profi- uh, profiles. You know, you get the, uh, where, you know, you've got the awareness mode where you can kind of hear a little bit. You get the noise isolation completely which is really cool as well. Raycons have 32-hour battery life, so you're not going to run out of batteries. It's just a great, great thing. It fits uh, flush to your ear. If you know some of these other competitors, they dangle below your ear. They kind of look weird. They fall out of your ear. They hurt in your ear. This is really comfortable. They give you all these custom gel tips as well with Raycons. I love my Raycons. You're going to love yours as well. Let me tell you how to uh, get them. Right now, listeners of the show can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N. Dot com slash two. You'll save 15% off right now on your Raycons at buyraycon.com slash stew. It's great to have Jamie Kilstein in the studio today. He's a really funny comedian and a host of the brand new podcast, The Back Row with Jamie Kilstein. You can check it out and subscribe at backrowpod.com. Jamie, great to see you. Hey, buddy. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, you know, we've had you on the radio a bunch of times. Yes. You talked to Glenn. You've told your story before. Yep. Let's start, though, at the beginning. For people who don't know who you are, maybe sure. you've only seen some of your comedy but yeah. don't know your story, Bring us back a few years and tell us how this all started, because it's an incredible story. My elevator pitch used to be so much easier before (laughs) controversy, where it was literally just like, you've seen this next guy on Conan, the very funny Jamie Kilstein, and now my intro is like, this guy should be dead. Uh, He's been through so much. Please welcome the tragic tale. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I was a comedian. Um, I am a comedian. I was very liberal um, because of, I think a lot of things that your viewers would agree with. I wanted to defend people who were underrepresented. Um, sure. I, I, I disliked, even though I was liberal, I was like, I spoke out against the government when they were overstepping, um, you know, under Obama, under whoever. Sure. Um, I got into a really, I got into an accidental argument with Joe Rogan about feminism when I was in this like very self-righteous in my 20s liberal uh, mode. And uh, it's one of those, if people are like, he looks kind of familiar and they listen to Joe Rogan, all those top 10 lists where it's like Joe Rogan destroys guests. I'm on there. I'm like hovering around number six. Congratulations. Uh, Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have to go back on to get a little higher. I did. Uh, Yeah. So I I went back on because everyone also, once you get canceled, you get to do the redemption arc go back on Joe Rogan as like part three, like he cool now. Uh. Um, so I've had that, which is great. Um, and essentially I was super depressed. Um, I had a lot of like mental health struggles. Um, I had like, uh, I was in a rocky marriage. I had an affair, uh, which was bad and there's no excuse for it. Um, but because I was sort of this 
self-righteous, you know, lefty guy, um, it became a very funny story. So it's, you know, when like the pastor gets caught doing something, they're like, haha, the guy who told me I was bad did the thing. Sure, sure. Uh, And so everyone kind of gets to feel good about themselves, which by the way, is exactly what I did to other people. Because even though I thought what I was doing was righteous, I was... I was yelling at people on Twitter. I wasn't in the streets. I wasn't running for local office. I wasn't, you know, I mean, you see this um, rampant now where it's people just sit behind screens and anyone who disagrees with them, they just yell at them all day. No one's going to listen to you on Twitter. Mm -hmm. No one's ever gotten into a Twitter fight and being like, oh my goodness, I've changed my mind on abortion. (laughs) Like ever, ever. Never occurred. No, and and, and it gets to a point where I, I, I started to question myself and go, man, was I even really trying to change people's mind or did I just want people to see me and go, good job, good job, you know, like. Because yeah. uh, you talked about this, I, I, and I remember this uh, a specific example, and maybe you'll, it'll recall, you'll recall it when I talk about it, but talking about how like someone would be in a controversy of the day and you just hop online to look at what that was and how to kind of beat them up and destroy them in their weakest moment. Oh, dude, it was worse than that because I didn't even have an original take. I would have to look at, so like, (laughs) I still have this part of my brain where before I go to see a movie, it's like liberals have to check Twitter to make sure it's not problematic. (laughs) And like, am I gonna go get in trouble for seeing the Mission Impossible? And then you're like, okay, like Scientology thing, but that's old, like I'm fine. (laughs) And uh, so it it, it was sort of the same thing. I, it's not like I read a non-biased article and then formulated an opinion. Mm. I would have to see what my tribe, and you know, I'm sure people on the right do this too. Um, I would see what my tribe says, and I'd be like, all right, I guess that's my viewpoint. And if I disagreed with it, it was like, well, I'm like, you know, uh, a guy, so I'm probably wrong. Or I, you know, I, I have, I dropped out of high school, so I never thought I was smart, even when I was like running in that kind of like liberal intelligent whatever scene. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm wrong. So I'd see what they said, and then I would formulate. I'm like, well, I'm funnier than all of them. So I would just form a joke off of their opinion. So it wasn't even necessarily like my opinion. I would just have these sort of stock lines. It was sort of sausage making in a way. Like totally. you're going through that sort of uh, that day-to-day grind. Yeah, and like I hate to say this because even when I get compliments, when people are like, man, it's so brave that you're like telling your story and like, you know, you can hear other people out now. I'm like, Ooh, is it? Or did I just rock bottom out? because I screwed up. And guys, I recommend everyone has a rock bottom. Um, because- <laughs> Destroy your life at some point in, in your some, life. Yeah. yeah, look at those wife and kids, say goodbye. Uh-huh. Um, it's time to start a podcast. <laughs> um, because, but, but I don't know, because when that happens, you do have a choice. When, every, when you lose everything, when everyone turns against you, you can either go, I'm gonna double down, and I'm gonna be bitter, and I'm gonna blame everyone else, or I'm gonna switch teams, and I'm gonna just become, you know, because I could have become the right-wing version sure. of, of who I was on the left. Like, I, I've joked before, I've probably said this on Glenn's, where if I wrote a book called, like, From Feminist to Freedom Fighter, and it was me holding, like, a giant red pill, a <laughs> billion dollars. Uh, and instead, I was, like, homeless, I, like, was suicide, like, went through all this stuff. Um, or, You can rock bottom, you can lose stuff, you can get fired, whatever it is, and you can go, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to become a better person. And if I become a better person, then maybe I'll find another job, I'll find another uh, wife, I'll find another community, I'll find, but also if I don't, 
doesn't matter because my goal is just how can I be the best man I can be every day? And that means holding myself accountable every day. It means, you know, working on myself every day. And if that's the goal, the other stuff kind of just like trickles in. Mm -hmm. And suddenly for the first time in my life, I have this like incredible community who is supportive of me when I fall down and they're supportive of me when I'm super high and they're not just using me to get on TV shows. Like I saw who those people were and I know. Um, And now the people who are in my life are just because we genuinely have a connection and want to see each other thrive. Yeah, you've really made a change. And, and, and that's kind of where you are now. I want to get to this a little bit more in a second, but let me yeah. let me stop and pause here on the rock bottom. Let me draw you back to the darkest yeah, parts yeah, of your yeah. life Go for just on. a moment. I just uh, almost forgot about it. But yeah. Now, yeah, no, it's coming back. Bring it back. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> Bad. Okay. Um, what does the rock bottom look like for you? I mean, you, you, you kind of mentioned bits and pieces of it, but yeah. I mean, rock bottom for some people is, ah, I lost my job for three months. Like that was sure. not you. You went, you went, you went all in. That sounds like a dream vacation. (laughs) I was like three months. Um, I mean, I lost everything in a day. So what does that mean? What do you what do you mean you lost? So literally everything. So a story comes out. I have an affair. I remember (laughs) I've told this publicly. I was at a pitch meeting for one of the biggest like comedy podcast networks, and I'm doing my pitch, (laughs) and my phone starts going crazy. And the producer is like asking me, she's like, this sounds great. Like, what do you think we're gonna do now? And in my head, I'm like, oh, none of this matters. I'm gonna kill myself when I get home. Like, seriously, I'm like planning that out. And she's just like, maybe we can have these guests on. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm, Like looking at my phone. And you know, uh, it was because I was a bit of a trailblazer and like one of the first people to get like canceled. Um, I was (laughs) pre-Louis. The, it was, I mean, and my only friends, because remember, because I kind of turned my back on comedy and went in like the, the super progressive cancel direction, I lost a lot of my comedy friends. Um, actually, the only people who reached out to me were like Rogan, this guy, Luis Gomez, who has a podcast that they've been called right wing called <laughs> Legion of Skanks, um, <laughs> and uh, Doug Stanhope, who's one of my favorite comedians of mm. all time. They reached out to see if I was okay, even though I like bailed on them. Um, but every single one of my, literally every single one of my liberal friends either had to like publicly disown me. There were people who started to write me and be like, hey, are you okay? And then they're like, hey, I can't, I can't talk to you anymore. And then I'd see like a tweet, like where they pretended they were upset, right? Or they actually knew the full story, Mm -hmm. which no one knows, uh, except for people in my real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, and, and, you know, defended me and then were suddenly like had to, you know, whatever. all my money, um, you know, I'd made a living doing this uh, podcast and comedy for a really long time. And so like, I didn't know how to get like a, a, a real a real job. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I've, I've dropped out of high school. I've done comedy since I was 18. Um, I mean, that was it. And it's crazy because the way the internet works is if you have an affair, if you say something on Twitter, if you are just getting attacked on Twitter every day, every day, every day, by thousands and thousands of people. You assume it's the world. It feels like that, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so like I was walking around LA like I was wanted for murder. Like I had like a hoodie up. Um, my girlfriend at the time was like very supportive and she walked around with me and I wanted to be like, look, I have a hot girlfriend, you can't, I'm like, can't be. <laughs> oh, it can't creep. be that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it was, I still have like, I, I don't like using the word PTSD for me, but I still like, there's still stuff yeah. um, that goes on. And then, yeah, uh, I was I was planning uh, this suicide and um, it wasn't even because of like a biological, like a chemical thing with me. It was literally like, this seems like the only logical option. You know, you, you get, 
and I'm sure some of your listeners have gone through this, where like, when you get, when so much hits you at the same time, you know, I lose my job and my wife left, or something, some combination. A lot of people I've talked to who have been suicidal, it's not like we want to. You just hit a point where you go, uh, that's it. Yeah. I've, I've tried everything else. You know, the other, the other point where it happened to me was when I'd made all these changes in my life. We're like 10 years down the road. Um, I knew the man I was. I had these like strong communities of like women and I was helping teach kids and like all this stuff. And I forget what it was, but I, I lost some gig because they were like, hey man, someone sent me this stupid article from like 10 years ago and yeah. I know what you did wasn't bad, but like I can't do it. And that was the other time it kicked in, which I haven't really talked about publicly because I was just like, oh, it'll never go away. Yeah, it's, like, it's yeah, these people won't stop until you die. Yeah, um, and I, th- I mean, that is true with a lot of people. They I never know. give up. Well, it's and really that- you letting yourself get over this, right? Like, it's finding a way out of it that's based on you, not based on them. Right. Or based on a higher power, as we're finding out now. Well, and that's what was so helpful, which is like, you know, I... <laughs> I remember when I went to church for the first time, I was like, Jamie, you cannot be the person who had a scandal and then emerges 10 years later and been like, found Jesus, buy my book. And it's like, whatever, Uh, like you can't do that. But you know, all that stuff, I don't, I guess I had a podcast. No, I don't think I had a podcast when I started going to church. Um, All of that stuff was happening. And for the first time I wasn't being performative in my life. Like I was just sort of, I found God. Uh, it, 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 for the first time in my life, I felt what real love feels like. I felt what real forgiveness feels like. And I also didn't feel the need to explain myself. Mm-hmm. Like this wasn't about, um, I'm suddenly going to be a Christian comedian. I curse way too much for that. Um, but it was about actually feeling that kind of love that doesn't go away. And I've never had that before. And so I think that's why if people wanna, you know, talk about me on Twitter, like one, like prayers to you, cause like that life's gotta be rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think I cared so much before what other people thought because I didn't feel love because when I did have a community of humans, they all bailed on me. And once you f- realize that you are loved eternally in your darkest hour and you're still loved and you're still forgiven, it's not that that should give you an excuse to then just keep being a jerk. Right. What that should do is be like, hey, if I'm loved and forgiven, I have a second chance, which means like I'm gonna make the best out of my life that I can. And then once you start doing that, suddenly like real community and real friends start finding you and then you start to experience what real love and real forgiveness feels like in the real world. Like, dude, I met with my pastor when I started going to church and I was like, there's something you should know about me. I don't know if I'm allowed to go to your church. And he's just like, you know, most of the heroes in the Bible were like murderers, right? Like <laughs> you're, you, we're, you had a rough marriage. Okay, right? You're okay. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome here. Yeah. And I, and as silly as that sounds, like I never experienced it. So that's kind of why I made the podcast, The Back Row, because um, I think there are a lot of people who automatically just think Christians are the most judgmental people in the world, and there are a lot of those, or they think, well, you know, I, I smoke weed, or, you know, I have sex before marriage, like, I can't even go to church, I can't try. And so the podcast isn't 
the Christian version of old liberal me being like, you're going to hell if it is very much like, hey, I'm still screwing up. Like I need help in my relationship. So I'm gonna ask this pastor this question or, you know, like I guess I shouldn't watch porn anymore. So I had this ex-porn star on who's like a Christian now and like asked him questions about the industry. Mm. And it's very much like I am still flawed in every episode. I curse on the show, um, which a lot of Christians don't like. I just posted an Instagram reel and I'm getting some flack for it. Um, Like literally in the green room. Um, But at the same time, that's who I am in reality. And that's who a lot of people who were like me, who thought they would never be welcomed. Mm. I mean, I had imposter syndrome with God. I was like, there's no way God would like me. Um, And I think a lot of people feel that. I think that's true. And so I just want to show them that like, no, 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 you can still be working on yourself in a screw up. And if you do feel loved and if you do feel forgiven, it's actually really going to help you um, become a person that you think is worthy of God, even though you're worthy right now. Mm. I mean, it's a great, it's an, it's an amazing story. First of all, your, your yeah. journey is incredible <sighs> and uh, it's nice to be on the upswing. Is it? Isn't it? it? Is. I mean, it feels, it it's got to feel good. There's definitely a bit of like when's it gonna get taken away, mm-hmm. you know? That's like, natural, oh think. my goodness, my poor boss, every time he texts me. Uh, well, the good news is, I feel like I'm the one entertainer that I answer the phone calls on the first ring mm-hmm. because every time the phone rings and it's my boss, I'm just like, am I fired? And it's just like, <laughs> no man, I just wanna say congratulations. It's like, oh, okay, thanks buddy. And then I'll like, I'll hang up. Um, but it does feel really good and I have to own it and just keep doing work that deserves it and not sabotage and start to think like, it's gonna get taken away, everything gets taken away from me because we do become addicted to our victim stories Mm -hmm. um, and you, you just have to create new ones. Yeah and reprogram it. And there are a lot of habits that every time something good happens, I'm waiting for something to be taken away. You just have to override it. And it just, it, it just like any skill, it just takes practice. Um, but if anyone out there is, is dealing with depression or dealing with, you know, these things, you really, it, it, it's like any, if you want to learn jujitsu, you got to show up, you got to get beat up a lot. Same with this. Mm-hmm. You got to start, you know, are you exercising? Do you have a mindfulness practice? Are you talking to somebody about it? Um, there are these little things that seem sort of silly when you're like in quicksand, but if you start to do all of them, you start to put them in concert, um, suddenly you're like, oh, is my life kind of good? And then one good thing happens and then you kind of, and this is what I'm writing right now. If I'm not self-hating, suddenly a good thing happens and then like a better thing happens. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. Um, So yeah, it does feel pretty good. It's great, it's great. I mean, you've got uh, mental health, you've got uh, God, you've got comedy, a dash of swearing, all in one podcast. (laughs) Uh, Backrowpod.com is a place to go to get it. Jamie Kilstein, it's a great podcast and a really funny guy. Uh, It's The Back Row with Jamie Kilstein. Be sure to subscribe uh, while you're there. We'll make sure to tweet out a link to it as well. Jamie, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks, brother. This was fun. So if you're you're taking a flight, uh, I don't know, maybe you want a pilot to actually be in control. Uh, I know I do. When you are going through a real estate transaction, you can come up with a lot of these things. I like this neighborhood. I like the shutters on this house. I like the fence on this house. But you need a real professional in control of that transaction. It's the biggest transaction you're ever going to make in your entire life. You better have someone who knows what they're doing on, the, on that side to make sure you're getting the best price when you're selling, getting the best price when you're buying. Uh, our own Glenn Beck, of course, started a company many years ago called Real Estate Agents I Trust. And this is based on his, his experience, which I had to hear about every morning. And it was, uh, honestly, I was sick of it. I'm glad he started this company so I could stop hearing these stories. Uh, but the bottom line was he had a nightmare with his real estate agent. He's decided to start this uh, service and it's free for you. It's called realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there, get the best agent in your area. You can do, get all the screening done. You're not picking off some random ad or a website. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the site to go to. 
to realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now, realestateagentsitrust.com. Ah, yes, it's time for another Joe Biden new low, a new poll out. This is from IBD slash tip uh, investors business daily. Their poll shows only 38 percent of Americans 18 and up approve of how Joe Biden is handling the presidency. 51 percent disapprove. Now, this is a minus 13. This is uh, worse than his minus 11 he showed in June and minus six in May. So it's going the wrong direction. In fact, really incredible, only 65% of Democrats give Biden favorable marks. This is down from 83% in March, down to 71% in June, down to 69% uh, in July, and now down to 65%. So that's that's not good. I would say that's sub suboptimal. Uh, also, there's this poll out. Trump, Biden, neck and neck in Arizona ahead of 2024, says a brand new poll. Now, poll's a little misleading, uh, just a tad. Now, you might say a new low. I mean, the, the Democrats have been saying forever that, you know, Joe Biden won Arizona. And of course, Donald Trump was trying to steal Arizona. So you'd think the voters of Arizona would be keenly aware of how evil Donald Trump is. Yet he's neck and neck with Joe Biden. And you might say that's bad enough. That's the new low. Well, not not really. In fact, the poll actually shows Trump has, quote, nearly 45 percent. Um, and Joe Biden has just higher than 43%. I mean, look, I've told you this over and over again. You know this is true. Uh, I bring this up all the time when we're talking about polls. Polls aren't precise. They don't tell you the exact amount of votes you're going to see. What they give you is a general sense of the race. So yes, neck and neck is a fair description of a 45-43 race. But like, you know, it seems like when Biden's ahead 45-43, they're pretty clear that Biden is ahead 45-43. What they're saying in this particular poll is Trump is ahead 45-43, and that is a devastating new low for our one and only President Joe. Hey, Joe, new low. Hey, Joe, new low. Hey, Joe, new low. Hey, Joe, please go. Now, when you're talking about winning this election, the Democrats have really decided to just lean on the whole Trump January 6th thing. They hope this will elevate him to win in the primary and then eventually destroy him when it comes time to actually go in the general. And enough people will be will say, hey, I don't want my president to be in prison when he's president, so we're not going to vote for him. That's kind of been their plan. But there's some evidence that this is not a good plan. Numb to Trump is the headline from Axios. Data shows drop in scandal interest. And like, look, this is just an indicator, but it's a pretty interesting one. These are Google trends for Donald Trump and indictment. And what you see, you saw a rise around the Mar-a-Lago raid time and a big rise among the first indictment, April 4th, 2023, the Trump hush money indictment. Doesn't that seem like a million years ago now? Talking about stormy freaking Daniels, really? Yes, that's back in April, and you had a huge spike. That about half the spike during the next second indictment, Trump indicted uh, in, in relation to the classified documents. And then, but you can argue, well, that's kind of, those are, I mean, the first one's kind of a, an exciting scandal, right? It has to do with salacious things, uh, but it was old. The second one, classified documents. It's new, but it's really boring. I mean, who cares where he's released, you know, stashing documents? I just, it's not that important, I think, to most people. Um, this one, though, 
should be up, right? Like this is January 6th. This is the big fish here, right? Well, no, this is showing another probably 20% drop off from the last indictment. And this makes sense, right? People are saying, hey, you know, I've seen this before. I've seen this movie before. You've done this a million times. We get it. You're going to indict him. Uh, If this does not have a strong um, push for Democrats, this could be a real problem because the less they're talking about this, the more they're talking about Joe Biden's performance. And as we've learned in this particular segment, that performance is not very high. Picture for a moment the supply chain going down and we're losing access to our medication. I don't know if you've noticed this lately, but like this is sort of happening. Like it's really hard to get a bunch of medications right now. If you have medications that you take maybe every day, every week, it's really hard to find some of them. And, you know, that's a real problem. Um, What happens, though, if it really dried up like China and decided they were not going to supply us anymore because they had their own needs for, for antibiotics, for example. Well, Jace Case uh, knows about this. Jace Medical, they have the Jace Case. It's a great way to protect yourself. It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, things like uh, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, a whole lot more. It's a great way to be ready for shortages, and it's perfect for traveling. You don't want to get caught unprepared. Go to jacemedical.com and enter the code STU at checkout. Promo code is STU at jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com. They'll take care of you for a Jace case. They'll take care of a year of your medications. Talk to them. There's, they can help you avoid the worst case scenario when it comes to your medication. It's the Jace case from Jace Medical. Well, you've probably been on the edge of your seats trying, wondering which way this is going to go. We now have uh, the ruling here. Wayne Brady is a pansexual. That's uh, apparently confirmed. Wayne Brady known for, I guess, hosting the TV show Let's Make a Deal, though that's not how I know him. I, I mean, wasn't he on, what was it, uh, what was it called? What was the, whose line is it anyway, right? That's, that's kind of how I would remember him. But obviously, as you can tell, barely. Um, now, pansexual, what does that word mean? Uh, I don't know. Most people, I don't know if anyone knows what it means. The only time I've ever heard it is when talking about Globochem's spokesperson, or actually the pansexual spokes thing, Pit Pat, uh, who famously said, take it from me. I love you. About four people will know what I just meant, but you're my favorite four people. And that's the most important thing. Um, now, this is what Wayne Brady said. He said, I advocate mental health for all. And a part of that is self-transparency. What are these? We're at the point where these, we talked about mental health. There's real things with mental health. But man, I, we just throw these words out. Half of the time, they don't mean anything. In doing my work, I've come to see a few truths, one of them being that I want to be free to love whomever I want. Who, who's saying you're not? You, know, you don't have to make some statement about what you are to love whoever you want. Like, it's 2023. People are, would like to ju- we'd like to just yawn. We'd like to just yawn when you tell us this crap. Instead, we're supposed to cherish it or something. Uh, he said, the truth, this truth makes me pan and part of the LGBTQ plus family. You'll notice he didn't even get the, he's not even part of it. He had a, he's in the plus area. Now, what is pansexual? Uh, he says it's, it's basically bisexual. It's like a bisexual plus. You, you like men, women, or whatever else is in the LGBTQ plus community. So you can kind of like non-binary people too, I guess. You're more open than those hateful bastard bisexual people who eliminate anybody that's not a man or a woman. You losers. Well, suck on that, says Wayne Brady, and hopefully not in those exact words.
We've got the new mugs in and we're basically screwing with people's heads here because they're going to see Biden 24. You really can't read the anyone but from this distance, but that's OK. It says anyone but Biden 24. Uh, we've got the mugs. We've got the shirts. I don't know what else they have up there, but you should get yours. Uh, it's at stewdoesmerch.com. Stewdoesmerch.com. The code is Stu10. We are in election season, by the way. we got to do some more election stuff. We're about what, 15 days out from the first debate. Prepare yourself. Doom is coming.